Hi, this is Rob. And this is Matt. From Don Broco, and you're listening to the Rock Sound Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Roxanne Podcast. I'm Will Cross, junior editor at the magazine. Joining me as always and forever, Tamsin Wills. Hello. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Good week. It's been a quiet week, but I've got May Day Parade at the weekend and I'm quietly counting down the seconds until I cry for an hour and a half straight. You're looking like you're buzzing. Yeah, I'm, and with confidence as well. It's like a, the biggest high followed by the lowest low, but also the best type of low. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. I'm very excited for it. Exactly, that's going to be big. And Mr. Jack Rogers, hello. Hello, Will. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. Steady. Sounding perky. Yeah, I'm trying my best. It's um, I'm turning 24 in two days, so I'm trying Nearly to... Jack's birthday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying to stay as perky as possible before, because... As I know, like, as everyone goes, oh, it's all downhill from here, which is the hill comes every year. So I'm looking forward to toppling back down after the high that was 23. (laughs) On my my birthday last year, um, because obviously everyone listens to What's My Age Again by Blink, I listened to Jimmy World 23. Nice. Which was just, like, very sad. But this year, there's there's not many songs, like, about being 24. No. Like, it's like, oh... You're not worth singing about anymore. Nah. That, that rhymes. That's <laughs> <laughs> just written a there song. There you go, you it. can write your own song for turning 24. So, yeah, I'm, I'm also very excited to go and see Mayday Parade and Ugly Cry. Lovely like, stuff. We're going to Ugly have. Cry together, oh, aren't yeah. we, Jack? <laughs> what a time it will be. Take pictures. Uh, cool, so last week we had Mr. Nick Martin singing with Sirens on the release date of the amazing gossip um you've all heard it now let us know what you think it's been really fascinating reading all your pins online so keep sending us those and we had mr matt welsh as well of while she sleeps um joining us to talk uh all things you are weird diy success of that album uh, hitting the top 10 in the uk absolutely amazing stuff and then uh, a few little exclusives as well about where while she sleeps could go next so subscribe let us know what you think this week we have got an absolute bumper of an episode uh we're going to be speaking to will gould of creeper um, about the theater of fear um, and what the future holds for creeper uh, we're going to speak to lights about her new album skin and earth uh, and the way that it takes in so many different forms of art with both being an album and a comic book and also uh, working with josh dunn of course the 21 pilots and uh, going on tour with paris so stay tuned for that and an absolutely incredible chat uh Possibly my favourite interview I've ever done with uh, Bert McCracken of The Used. Um, no spoilers, but uh, stay tuned. Uh, but first, Tam's in the news. Let's kick things off then. Mr. Jared Way has said how impressed he was with 21 Pilots cover of My Chemical Romance's Cancer, which was recorded for Rock Sound's The Black Parade 10th Anniversary Tribute Album. If you haven't heard it already, you must have been living under a rock or something, but you can head to rocksound.tv and listen to it there and find out what he said. Linkin Park are celebrating Chester Bennington's life with their favourite video moments, the first of which is now online. Against the Current have a released new track, Legends Never Die, written for League of Legends. It is on the Rock Sound chart, so go and give that a little listen on Spotify. A day to remember have dropped the video for We Got This, and they certainly do got this. Attila <laughs> are back in the studio. 
Asking Alexandra's as yet untitled new album is being released on December 15th. So Merry Christmas to all Asking Alexandria fans. And leading on to that then, it turns out that Will here can tell the future. <laughs> because all not that long ago, you didn't didn't you say, oh, I think there might be a Blackfield Brides in Asking Alexandria. Yeah, it was up. when... Just got a little feeling. Yeah, when, when uh, Mr. Beersack was uh, teasing us about, about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I genuinely what, what, had no what, idea. But... And what's happened, Will? Uh, <laughs> they went on together. Amazing, yeah. Uh, so excited, right? It's going to be dramatic, I think. I'm. I mean, like I said, that there's going to be like a roller coaster drum kit and pyro and stuff. <laughs> like, and I thought is they're going to bring the circus, which I think they still might do that. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It, it's it's nice that it's out in the open. And it's amazing to hear they keep saying we've been playing this for years, and I think it's going to show how long they've been trying to get this together. Yes, yeah, like so in, much in the pyro. production, and just the reaction online. It was just like inaudible screaming from like <laughs> everyone around, just like can't. <laughs> Which is uh, the way that all tours should um, be received. Yeah, for sure. Especially ones of this size. Yeah, Battle of the Tours, isn't it? So we had Pierce of Old Time like last week. Now we've got Askin and Black Veil. I can't wait for that. going to be amazing. Uh, cool, so interview one. Um, yeah, Will Gould of Creeper. Uh, we caught up with Will. We're really excited to get him on the podcast. Um, Creeper are planning this uh, very mysterious tour uh, called the Theatre of Fear, uh, which is happening in literal theatres um, at the end of this year in the UK. Uh, so I grilled Will a little bit, and um, he he didn't give obviously didn't give it away what it is because it's very much a secret. But gives a few interesting clues in the way that obviously Creeper is such a layered band. Uh, the way that there are there are clues and hints online at the moment and that's going to build as a uh, as we get to the uh, the dates themselves. Uh, and then it kind of transformed into a chat about the future of Creeper and you know the way that they've already transformed a number of times as a band, even though they are very much still a young band. So yeah, this is uh, Will Gould of Creeper. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I've uh, been really excited to get you guys on. Um, so what I wanted to talk about was kind of, um, I want to talk about the Theatre of Fear a bit. You've called it your most ambitious project to date, um, and it's an event starring Creeper. So I guess without giving away too many spoilers, what can you tell us about it? I guess... Uh... I guess it's important just just to try and explain that it's more like um, with everything we do, there's always a certain level of detail to everything, um, and uh, this one's like no exception. Uh, it's kind of it's very theatrical. It's going to be a, a little more dramatic, um, but it's a very high concept, uh, as I guess everything is. <laughs> and I suppose the more if you're attending the tour, like the more you pay attention over the next few months to the internet, uh, probably the more rewarding it will be. I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult to explain, actually, uh, without actually telling you exactly what's going on. <laughs> but, uh, it's uh, it's um, basically every time we've done anything with Creeper, we, even from the smaller shows, I remember our first London show, we um, it was at the Elbury Last, and we hired lights for it. <laughs> I remember thinking that was... Um, and then, then we had the next thing, it was at the, uh, the Underworld, and we kind of uh, decked out the place... Um, with the stranger, with a stranger mannequin, there was a photo wall. We all, all this stuff. We always got like, like very high concepts. Everything we do, and the same with the tour in March. The um, the one the fraternity in your arms. The uh, we had the crucifixes from the videos, and we had a backdrop of the church. It was trying to recreate the uh, the, the uh, church scenes on the videos. And um, so basically, every time we've got a bigger room, we've seemed to have more to play with, you know. And and so on the last tour, we, we'd uh, had this idea. We're like, is it, we ever got to do a bigger room? This is what we try and do. 
So we basically spent all of our money, all the money we get money for, <laughs> on, on making this ridiculous uh, travelling production. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's very exciting for us, um, and uh, yeah, without giving too much away, it's uh, I really think it's going to be really something worth seeing. And um, yeah, it, it's something we're very excited to be a part of as well because we've never done anything on this sort of scale before. Amazing. So yeah, because I mean, I, I was at most of those shows, and like I remember, obviously, it's every time it seemed that bit more theatrical and kind of bringing the creeper narrative into the live show. Is that kind of hinting at potentially a kind of uh, a next step in the story and kind of things that we don't know about yet, kind of via your lyrics and things like that? I think um, uh, both of the things you've, you've mentioned uh, are kind of integral to to the show, and. Um, I think yeah, there there are already kind of seeds of those things online. Um, I guess with the whole thing with Cooper, the idea was that it's kind of. Uh, I think like for a number of years, like bands and um, especially in like the alternative world, it seems to have become simpler and simpler and simpler. And um, uh, so it's it's all easy to digestible, and like the the edges were so smoothed off that it's kind of nice to have something for people to have to go and solve and, and that's that's not as uh, as straightforward you know um i suppose if I, I what would be the typical thing in this situation normally would be to tell you that um i tell you exactly what's going on <laughs> and tell you exactly what it looks like and tell you what what we will be playing and and, and um you know uh, and uh what why you should be coming i think um perhaps what's more interesting is to try and uh is to try and keep it a bit of a secret and um and to have something that you have to work out, like that, that in, in the the eye of the guest who's coming to the the show, to kind of have to work out for themselves, and and that seems a lot more fun, you know. Um, I, I don't know. It just to me, it seems like a much more fun experience to uh, to not know what you're getting on a Saturday night or a Friday night or whatever day the show is. Um, because you go to a million shows every week, I imagine. Um, in your line of work, will you must have a few gigs all the time as well. So yeah. It's nice to try and do, to try and do something different, you know. It's, it's, a, it's always our, uh, I feel, it feels like it's part of our responsibility sometimes. Is it that? Amazing. So, do you think there needs to be kind of more of that then? Like in terms of, like you say, I mean, it's kind of the show after show, after show from bands. Do you, do you think it's important that, like what you're doing with Creeper, do you think it is important to kind of uh, give that bit more? And like you say, I mean, obviously the lead up to Eternity in Your Arms was so so layered, and you know there was so much all these clues online, and it feels like you're doing that again now with the Theatre of Fear. Do you think do you think that that's as important as simply putting on a great show? I think it's it's, it's difficult, you know. Um, I I think. Uh, the, the, the thing about Creeper is we're very uh, we're very settled on what we're trying to do all the time. We know exactly what our band is, is what our message is, and what we're trying to do all the time. So, uh, for example, like we're with this tour, we're trying to offer an escape of, of sorts, um, especially, and, and that's not just this with the tour. Actually, it's with the whole the whole concept of the whole, the whole band. It's uh, it's about escapism. Um, whereas, like, I don't think that every band needs to be that. Necessarily, the uh, I think there's like for in punk rock, it's very important to have like political, political punk bands and 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 people who talk about the everyday thing. And most of my, a lot of my favourite bands talk about uh, things in a lot more straight up way than or Creeper do. Um, but it's just something that uh, that we're interested in. And there were more bands around doing uh, with, with a similar value to Creeper, like in terms of uh, value system to Creeper um, when I was younger. And I think the reason perhaps it seems a little bit more alien now is because those bands aren't 
uh, as visible these days. And um, I don't know. It's nice. It's, it's nice to, to be that band for someone else. And, and um, I don't know whether I feel if someone else started doing it, we'd probably use that, like lose our USP a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but no, but I think I think it's the I think it's a very important thing for uh, young people to kind of place they can go and just lose themselves for a bit, especially in in 2017. You know, um, it's the world's so stressful all the time. It's uh, such a dark place. Um, so to have a place, to have a record you can put on and, and, and escape into, or to have uh, an event come through and, and something to look forward to, where you know you, you're going to get a certain level of experience. I think that's, I think that's really nice and, and really valuable. Yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree. I, I mean, like, cause I know, I know you personally, and kind of you guys as a whole, are sort of really into into Disney and you know things like Peter Pan and Studio Ghibli and that sort of thing. It, do you, is that kind of is that a real influence when it comes to all this stuff? Like, is that kind of are you kind of pulling from things that aren't just music? Yeah, I, I think um, most of the time, Creeper, we're, 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 when we're talking about writing songs, uh, we're not talking about music at all. Um, <laughs> it's pretty odd. Uh, I think the, the problem is. Um, well, me and Ian have been writing for so many years prior to Creeper that, like, uh, I, like we were quite well versed in um, in punk rock and, and, and stuff like that. It's it, it's not this is not our first band, you know. I, I see a lot of bands that uh, come out and just go, oh, I just thought we far well good, just do that. And um, but we've done that already, you know. Not like like we we we've had bands we love and, and we've gone, oh, that band's good, let's just do that. We did that all the time when we were kids, you know. Um, so I think now, like. Uh, because uh, we ha- we had those bands when we were younger that we just completely worshipped like that, and um, now that becomes like a little less of an importance to us. And we've already kind of got a style. You want to go with things, and it's easier to it's it's, it's a lot less exciting to um, to just focus on the music. So uh, pulling from uh, the whole idea for this band came from a trip to Disney- to Disneyland in California, um, and, and, and on the offset and. That has literally nothing to do with punk rock or um, with music. I understand it sounds bizarre, but um, yeah, it's it's it is that type of experience, though, that level of um, of craftsmanship uh, that comes along with those sorts of places. Um, like uh, my um, my uncle was a labourer um, at Disneyland Paris, and um, he was somebody who uh, painted the, the the pirate ship, the, the chicken of the sea replica in, in Disneyland Paris. Oh, wow. And I remember as a kid always thinking that was amazing. Like, you know, just a regular person was allowed through this kind of, um, this this world that was, uh, this kind of fantasy world. And, and to, to, to help build that, I thought that was always very exciting. And uh, uh, I, I guess in a way that's kind of what we, what we do now, you know, doing that exact same thing. It's uh, just always excited me. I've always been very um very interesting and like film as well is the same sort of thing you know like uh, all of our favorite films are ones um that you put on and uh you can kind of escape into and there's a world around it it's difficult though sometimes i've been thinking about this lately um you always wonder how many of these little tiny things that you spend hours on <laughs> are even noticed or even <laughs> even go checked you know um but like it's the smaller things that make the bigger things have significance i think sometimes and um yeah, that's just. I guess it's just the way we we kind of operate, and sometimes maybe it seems um, to other people a little bit like uh, a little bit silly because maybe we should be spending more time on like getting a promo photo or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, but I mean, like, yeah, because I mean, as as a big Creeper fan, I've I've totally picked up on that throughout the EPs and into the album, and I mean, it's really really great fun to kind of really delve and see all these strands coming together, and I mean. 
Um, in terms of a musical influence alongside the kind of filmic influence like um, artists like Bowie and that sort of thing I mean like a song like I Choose to Live I got a real Bowie vibe and do you, are you kind of are you really inspired by the way he kind of uh, offered that escapism and that kind of reinvention with every album I think uh, in, in terms of that David Bowie was, was my hero growing up and uh, the, the, blue, the, blue, the basic blueprint of the invention and the chameleon kind of aspect of that like it was Definitely comes from that place, but also like Madonna was. was I think like I feel like a lot of um, a lot of artists have followed in those sort of footsteps as well. That constant reinvention, and it's. Um, I've always um, I've always noticed about myself that I've been. It's been very difficult for me to stay uh, to stay uh, stay on something for a minute. Like and my girlfriend always tells me that um, I've got like tunnel vision, and so I'll be <laughs> intensely into one thing. For like uh, like a month, and then uh, and I'll learn everything about it, you know, and um, then I'll uh, I'll just ditch that and move on to something else intensely onto that for for, for the minute. So I've always um, struggled to uh, to be well rounded. I think which is <laughs> very like uh, like transfixed on one, one thing at a time. So uh, like in terms of style as well, like um, I've like like I, I, I even during this band, my hair's in so many different lengths. We've had so many. Uh, even though it's all, all the variants the same thing because it, it, it's very difficult um, it's very difficult to stay fixed on one spot and on one thing and um, into one genre of music that has never appealed to me just being into punk rock or just being into I never understand people who can you can do that really um, because I always feel like if you're in, if you're in, uh, in like interested in art like you, you you'd want to see like the whole spectrum of colours you know and the same with music um, so yeah I, I think that it uh that, I've always had that natural kind of uh, need to progress and to move into the next skin every time. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the, the, and the, the I Choose to Live thing is certainly very, very influenced. I think like um, a lot of that era of music is my dad's era of music and um, associate it all in, in one kind of big lump. Um, so like Elton John and um, uh, I guess like Fleetwood Mac and, and, and all, all of that, I, I guess... Even though it kind of spans a uh, slightly different areas, uh, it, uh, one of those kind of um, those classic rock outfits. I, I think you know it's kind of, kind of the, the the greatest kind of rock writing in the world. Um, that stuff's a bit very interesting to us, and trying to fuse that with, um, I guess, the more niche hardcore and, and punk rock influences is, is uh, the aim of the game on that last record. Amazing, yeah. But, At least in the last record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's interesting what you said about uh, really enjoying playing around with the whole kind of spectrum. Um, having the, the full album canvas, I mean, it feels like on, on Eternity, it feels like there is so much going on and so many different songs. Um, did that kind of really play into that then? And you kind of wanted to experiment with, I mean, it fits together brilliantly as a cohesive whole, but did you, did you kind of want to experiment with so many different styles and, and influences? Well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, it, uh, it was it's high. It was really really hard to um, to, to make it kind of uh, cohesively work. Uh, actually, uh, it was a real nightmare. Um, sometimes it was like a few late nights trying to work that whole thing out. But uh, it was. It, I think um, like a lot of the music side of Creeper comes uh, as a reaction to. Uh, I, th- I think honestly, I, I, well, when I think about some of this stuff, I think. Um, a lot of it just comes from us like seeing the sort of band that we want to put out, want to be around. What would we be a fan of if um, 
if we were, you know, if, if there was another band out, what, what would we like? And, and, and just trying to, to put that out into the world, you know. Do you reckon that that's kind of how you, you guys are going to carry on? Do you reckon it'll, there'll be, you know, it, the, the next Creeper album could be completely different things again? I think, uh, I think the next, whatever, if we do something again, like, a, it's always really hard to know. Like, the, the problem with Creeper is it's such an unusual project. Um, like, it's, uh, it's hard, it's not like a, it's not a set that will do anything ever, you know. It's, if we do another, if we did another record, um, it would be a complete nightmare again. And um, but I think it would sound, I think it would sound nothing like the one we've just made. And knowing my temperament, I guess, like uh, over the years, I think I would find it very difficult to um, to, to write anything similar to what we've done already. Um, and I think the problem is with it all as well is that, like y- y- your fans. Um, like as much as they they really appreciate like um like your your progression, I think you you run a risk of alienating people as well. But that's for the fun of it, I think. I think um, but all the best fans have done that, right? But they, they, you know, they, you have to every now and again take a chance on some on something, and um, and and you've got to be really confident with that reinvention all the time. I think it's uh, if you if you don't make bold steps and you're not making something challenging and new. I kind of wonder what what your what your value in music is anyway, right? Awesome. So uh, yeah, really, really great chat. Uh, Tam's in. What are you saying? He's a lovely bloke, isn't he? He really is. He's a really nice guy. Um, I'm excited to see what Creeper do on this tour, actually, because as he said, with each tour and each London show they've done, they've kind of stepped up a little bit with the dramatics and the production and the different things like the photo wall and stuff like that. And to to go out and say it's the theatre of fear, like that that in itself is quite a dramatic name and kind of puts loads of ideas in your head. And I'm kind of like just imagining because it's Shepherd's Bush Empire in London, which is a very grand venue anyway. And I'm just imagining like the biggest and like most flamboyant Halloween party you've ever been to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm 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 really really interested to see what they do with it. Like I love it. He was just like we've spent our entire budget. <laughs> <laughs> on just making this the best thing ever so i think fans are in for like a massive treat with this tour oh, i'm really sure. i'm really really excited to see all they do amazing yeah i'm the same i mean like and talking to him about how um not only the band's transformed in sound but also in the way that kind of like what you just said about the photo wall and that sort of thing in that they've uh, they've really uh transformed their stage setup as as time's gone on with each release i think this is just going to be like an even bigger step i mean jack you in agreement oh yeah massively i think the big thing for me about Creeper is it's been amazing watching their growth over such a short period of time. Like, I remember being on holiday in Marrakesh and sunbathing and buying the first EP and just going, oh, because I was a huge Our Time Down Here fan and I was like, sick, this new band. And then to think that I go from there in my bloody swimming trunks to like in, <laughs> in, in, in December watching them, like, like, God knows what they're going to get on that stage. Like, it's... If they spent the whole budget, it's just going to be so flamboyant and huge. And like the biggest thing that I thought Will said, it's like it's the mystery of it because like like we in the post we got um, a diary extract from uh, James Scythe yeah. through the post, which was just like, oh creepy, you're up to it again. And, <laughs> and it's just like and but it's it's about that. It's like not giving it away and being and like the fact that in that interview, Will was like, oh, you're going to have to wait, mm. and it's just that influence from. You know, back in the days when we didn't have the internet, when we didn't have like constant updates from bands, when like there was that mystery to things, 
and the way that they're bringing that back for the new generations and like captivating kids like in the way that MCR did oh, like yeah. 10 years ago I know it's a really easy comparison to make but it is it's the same sort of thing it's like it's sweeping people up in its grandeur and as he said it's, it's a lot less exciting when it's just the music like when you've got the character and when you've got like the story behind it and a story which doesn't just have one face as well it's like it's so personal and you can interpret it in whatever way you want like to do that yet still rip it like and play old school punk rock like there's no one else doing it like creeper no exactly i mean like and obviously you know they're they're, they're huge bowie fans but obviously he named dropped madonna as well i thought that was really interesting um so you know getting inspiration from these artists who are total chameleons and have completely reinvented themselves so many times with so much success like to have a band like creeper within our world doing that is so so cool and to go from you know a song like gloom all the way to this year a song like crickets is just like testament to how good that band are um so yeah can't wait to find out what it is um um, more on that as we get it. Who shout to Will for coming on? Um, Jack? Uh, it's listener question time. Listener questions. <laughs> I, I want Austin Knight to do a jingle for like listener questions or something. The first one is so lovely. Um, uh, Fry underscore Richard 92, he asked, what if we had any first dance suggestions for his and Danielle Lisa's wedding, which I'm like, bloody hell, are you trusting us with that? Because like, I, I've I've thought of three. I'll go like, which is nice one, Night Drive by Jimmy Worlds, Make Damn Sure by Taking Back Sunday, or Reign of Darkness, The Out Is Murder, which <laughs> like take 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 your pick from any of them. I, I mean, think. my 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 choice kind of links in with your last one there because I've literally just noted down anything with the breakdown. I mean, like I think there's nothing. You, you can share nothing more with your life partner than moshing the hell out of them. Then like right. crab coring over the dance floor at your wedding. Oh yeah, <laughs> if it's stick steeply by attack attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like your nan's in the corner going, <laughs> yeah. what? <laughs> this, this isn't Elton John. What do you reckon? Killer shouts. Uh, I, I did a live with the glory of love by say anything. Um, I, think that's, I, mean, I like, think that's quite sensible. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't speak for you two. I'm, the girl of the group. I've not really thought much uh, into I, my... What? Into Since my, when? <laughs> <laughs> no, me, I'll pick a, like, a state champ song or something. Yeah, nice. And yeah. just like high kick all over the shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, that was a really lovely question and it really made me smile. That someone, that someone actually trusted us to say trusted yeah. us with a really serious yeah, question and we've really given cool. the most like ridiculous answers <laughs> um all time underscore martha asks us what we think uh the now finished waterparks album is going to sound like which for one <laughs> new waterparks album coming yeah um i i feel as though like based on the way that their albums have gone from the eps into double dare I think it's going to be a lot more polished than it was because the production on those albums has just gone up and up and up. But then also, I think it's going to be... It's either going to be a lot weirder or a lot more plain sailing and straightforward. I don't think it's going to be a middle ground because I don't think there is with a band like Waterparks. Um, so I think we're either going to get even weirder vocal samples and like weird bass solos and like guitar licks and loads of synth 
or it's just going to be a very serious, very deep, very like normal album. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I feel like I should sit this out because I, I literally spoke to Austin about two hours ago about the album. Um, but I will say that um, I think, yeah, I, I think it, it's going to be. I think it's going a bit like what Will Gould was saying about about what future Creeper material. I think I think it's going to be completely different to what we've heard so far. I mean, uh, he was on our launch special, and uh, he said then that uh, he never wants to do the same thing twice. Uh, and I think that that's very, very much going to be the case. Uh, but stay tuned, Bops. <laughs> yeah, Bops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the best answer. <laughs> it's, all, it's literally it's all I've written. <laughs> What do I think the new Waterparks album is going to sound like? Bops. <laughs> bops oh, and God. bops and bops. Yeah. I almost went, almost. Which oh, nicely I, leads on to your next question. I, gonna, I, I, I almost fell off my chair then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jade Holmes is done. I hope that's how it's uh, pronounced. It's very difficult when it's Instagram names where you know where the gap is. Um, just what our favourite bop from a band was. And mine, plain and simple, battering with a pipe, four years strong. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Great shout. Great shout. Uh, I'm going Neurotic by Seaway, straight up uh, song of the year. It's a, it's a bop classic in the making. Um, vacation, check it out. It's amazing. I've gone with Perfect Score by State Champs. Yes. Because there's a little groovy bit in it, and every time it comes on, I've done it in front of my boyfriend, and he finds it highly embarrassing. I kind of do this, <laughs> like, really low jig. Kind of, it's not quite, like... It's not quite a twerk. It's not quite. It's not quite a twerk. It's not quite a da- groove to is, is, is it. Is it? Is it kind of like if, if your dad was like, oh, is if this what twerking yeah, is yeah. like? But and with the biggest smile on your yeah. face ever. That's me when I listen to Perfect Score yeah. by State Jobs. <laughs> <sighs> lucky, lucky Simon. Yeah. <laughs> He's a lucky guy. <laughs> Cheers, lads. That was good. That was very good. Uh, Goals of shop.roxanne.tv. Uh, the same with Sirens bundles are on sale. Um, go and lap them up. They will sell out. Uh, Legends bundle, limited edition cover by our own Tom Morgan. Also includes a vinyl sticker, hand signed poster print by the whole band. Or you go the other way, go with the Gossip bundle, which includes an exclusive tote bag designed by Mr. Kellen Quinn and an exclusive pocket mirror, both super sick. Uh, if you want all those things, you can get the super fan bundle as well. Uh, all a brilliant price. Check it all out. They will sell out so buy them all up before they go uh, also includes chats with Andy Beersack and Seaway and fan question with Frank Iero a 2007 poster special which is really really cool uh, life lessons John O'Callaghan so much cool stuff so yeah shop.roxanne.tv check it all out the uh, Roxanne chart we mentioned as well also online on Spotify um, freshly updated uh, we update every week with all the best new tunes if you want a way into the Roxanne world and you just love the Roxanne world and want the best tunes, check it out. Honestly, listen to it every day on the tube. Absolutely amazing. We've added Against the Current this week, Asking Alexandria, so much cool stuff. So check it out on Spotify along with all of our other playlists and subscribe. Uh, and our Scuzz TV show is also on TV daily if you want to read along and watch along with the uh, current magazine. Check out all the tunes. Want to find out new tunes by bands in the mag. Check it all out on daily on Scuzz. Interview 2, uh, Lights. 
We caught up with Light uh, to talk all about Skin and Earth, uh, which is an album, uh, but she also uh, wrote it simultaneously with uh, a comic book. Um, that's the start of a, an ex- or a continuation. I mean, if you followed Light's the past 10 years, uh, she's building an absolute world uh, within her music of uh, different characters and uh, also herself, bringing herself into that. Uh, so I talked to her about blending art and blending uh, what, what you could do with so many different kinds of art. Um, and then talked a little bit about the departures on the album as well and kind of being independent and doing what you want as an artist and doing what's right for you. Uh, and also working with, uh, of course, Mr. Josh Dunn and uh, her current tour with Paris as well in the US so uh, yeah here we go lights thank you so much for taking the time coming on the podcast of course man cool so so what uh, we want to do with this we just wanted to chat about Skin and Earth really and kind of go inside it Skin and Earth itself is this amazing sure, project awesome. cool so, so it's, it's this amazing project that's um, basically an album and a comic book that you've you've written um, simultaneously so take us inside where did the idea for that yeah. come from in the first place well I I think there was a couple of reasons that I want to do this in the first place like one of which is I love comics and I love music and I think there's a lot of crossover in the fan bases too every comic fan I know loves music and vice versa so um I always wanted to try that and I had never really seen it happen in pop music it's happened a few times in the all world here and there but never really in pop music and, and never with a girl and I always thought it'd be something really cool to try so I was like I got to do this. I got to be the one to do this. I got to teach myself how to do it. So I committed to it from the beginning and started writing from this, this story. Um, and yeah, basically brought a storyline into every songwriting session and started writing from there. And I think another reason that I wanted to do it was because it's my fourth record. I, I feel like I've said a lot of what I, I felt liberated to say and needed another perspective in order to pull a side of me out that maybe was hidden. So the character that I created in the comic ended up being sort of a conduit for me to talk about things that I've um, always wanted to talk about but never really felt like I could say because it was almost too personal. So it kind of took this fictional character for me to be authentic with uh, this next phase of art. Amazing. So, so the character of N then, is, that, is she quite autobiographical? Yeah. I, it's funny. I initially intended for her to be this, just this fictional character but as I wrote her more and more, she became more and more like me. And though she lives in this, she, you know, you know, her story's fictional. She is a fictional character, but there's a degree of her personality that's quite autobiographical. Autobiography, however you say that, I really have no idea how to say it. Autobiographical. There we go. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think I actually tell people sometimes that like you can get to know me a little bit through reading this because. She really responds to things the way that I do, and um, I wrote a lot of myself into her, for sure. Awesome. And as well, because with it being set in a post-apocalyptic landscape and things like that, is it inspired by the kind of uh, maybe certain state of things today, or is it, is it purely fic- fictional? Or, or kind of where did the, um, where did the inspiration for that kind of setting come from? Well, initially the inspiration was um, that I'm a fan of dystopian fiction. It's like what I like to read about, and I like to think uh, about different ways that the world would end, you know, and just... <laughs> fantastical sort of manner but there is a degree of truth to it and that's what i love about comics and medium itself a lot of what i read has uh, strong messaging in it and it's a good way to talk about important issues without um preaching on them so obviously right you can write it into your story things that matter things that you want to see change in and and uh it works its way into people's brain that way 
So a lot of the commentary in the book is actually about environmental issues, and that's, that's how in this story the apocalypse came about. It um, it was, it, you know, it, there's no specific timeline on it, but it's obviously hundreds of years after the world gave way to famine and plagues because we mistreated it for so long. And even in this last bastion of humanity, this last city on earth, they still continue to take from it. And it results in this hopelessness and this, like, sedative state that everybody puts them in to deny the fact that they're bringing themselves to their own ruin. And there's a lot of commentary within that. My dad, he's a, he's a green architect, and he, he's very, he's helped me understand what, you know, what we would need to do as a, our, with our infrastructure in order to move towards a more sustainable planet. I think we're just, we're getting there, but it's just, you know, it takes time and understanding and energy on everybody's part. So, yeah, but there's commentary in that in the book, for sure. Is this something that you've always wanted to do? Like, were the seeds for doing something like this sown very early on? Oh, yeah, I've always wanted this to happen. I think it, it's been long overdue. I just needed to do it. I needed to put the time and energy in. And it was if it wasn't going to be somebody else doing it, it was just going to have to be me. And that's just what I decided was going to have to happen. Because I think all these years I've been waiting for someone else to to find the right person to do it, you know, find the right artist, to find the right writers. And I just thought, I'm just going to, I just got to do it. You know, <laughs> so I had a good time with it. And that was the special thing about this project. You can work so many cool things into it. Like even in one of the frames, I drew my old self in the crowd. It is a little cool opportunity to do those kind of things. Wow. No, that's amazing. Like, so, cause as well, you wrote the music alongside the comic. So with that in mind, then were you, were you deliberately kind of playing each of the two into each other and kind of aiming to put all these Easter eggs and all these bits of your music, uh, into the comics as you wrote the music? Yeah, definitely. This was, so the storyline was, was written before writing the songs and then the songs, um, were written based on whatever part of the story I was writing about and the mood. And as the song form, that created even more of a visual for me as I finished the story and then drawing came last, but everything's very, very connected and tied in. And every, um, I think every artist has a color. It, this is kind of a weird thing, but I, I've had this conversation with people before. I think every artist has a color they associate to sounds and moods. And it was a cool opportunity to experiment with color palettes that go to songs. So like new fears, the color palette is burgundy and purple, and I've always envisioned that when I listen to the song. So that's the color palette that made its way into that chapter of the comic, and you'll notice that all the way through. The color palette that I visualize when I close my eyes and listen to the song is the color palette I use to color that chapter. Wow, yeah, because as well in, in the music videos you've released so far, there's a real striking kind of visual aesthetic. So is that all part of that? Is that kind of, did you yeah. want to extend that all the way through to, you know, the music videos and everything else? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the videos all bring the story to life in some capacity, whether it's the process of me creating the story, like in skydiving, or a very direct visual reference to the comic, like in New Fears. It all brings the story and the comic to life somehow. Amazing. So cool. And you've said as well that you've, uh, beyond the first six issues, you, you kind of don't, you don't want to let it go. You don't want it to end. So could this be something that, that's, you know, there's going to be a sequel to, or even just further installments of it, something that you want to continue? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> My mind hasn't stopped working on this whole idea, even beyond what, what the last issue is going to be. I, I mean, I have big dreams for where to go. Um, Oh, I'll let fans decide on what they think about the ending. It definitely um, is a bigger, bigger story than just six issues, but I think it it wraps up in a really cool way at the end of this. So, um, 
There's there's always room for more if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. And as well, it definitely the... doesn't end. <laughs> <laughs> So, so from a musical perspective as well, um, it's it's a real departure in parts. You know, so Savage has that kind of real, kind of almost like a rock and roll stomp to it. And uh, the verses on Giants almost feel quite hip-hop R&B inspired and things like that. Did you want to kind of rip up yeah. the rule book, so to speak, like in terms of, you know, it's been sort of almost 10 years now since the Light CP. So was this kind of, did you really want to kind of make a lot of kind of, you know, curveballs and departures with what you were doing on this album musically? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I wanted to push myself to make my biggest record yet my I wanted to make a record that there was something for everybody on and I think in the past I've um really almost um not not in a negative way but I've over controlled the cohesiveness of the project and made sure everything sounds a certain way and this time around I've really freed myself to expand into sounds that I've never experienced um expand into beats that I've never written to like until the light has a beat that I've never written to on it. And that's with Corn Rotic and Purity Ring. Um, and like Moonshine has this like aggression to it. And that was with Big Data. Having Josh Dunn from 21 Pilots on drums brought a new element in um, on Savage and almost had me. It was just nice because we, uh, because of the concept and my freedom to write about anything I wanted because I was able to voice this character, I was able to go into these sessions with strangers and come out with a great song and like a new friend because it was just this awesome creative environment. Whereas in the past, I've always written with the same people and it was starting to all sound the same after a while. Um, so it was nice to expand and push the boundaries of the project um, on every level, not just, not just because of the comic, you know, the, the music reaches. Oh, that's awesome. Height, I think. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, how did Josh get involved in particular? Like what did, how did that, how did he come in? Josh and I met actually like for, I think in 2009 and a guy who was opening for us brought him to the show and they were friends. It was before 20, 21 pilots blew up and uh, it, we were playing at like the grog, the grog shop in Cleveland or, or like some, some joint Columbus cause Josh is from Columbus. And um, hadn't seen each other for a long time. And then a couple of years ago, we were doing a show in Columbus and we all went to a barcade afterwards. And um, n- now we're really good friends. And he's come to my shows, I've come to his. And there's this like mutual respect and um, mutual love. He's like one of the coolest, most humble dudes you'll ever meet, despite how successful he's been. Um, cares a lot about music, wants to be involved in all kinds of stuff because he, he loves music, he loves art. And so he was hearing the record because he's, he's friends with one of the, also one of the guys that I was writing with, Dylan Bald, who's in a band called Floor. And we did a bunch of great tracks together. And he's like, let me play on some of this. So we booked some studio time and just like that, he was playing on the tracks and everything just happened really organically. Like, and he's just a really great dude and, and is very um, generous with his talent, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I mean, like, do you, in that sense, do you think there's a real power in collaboration? You know, you're saying that, uh, particularly on this album, you've, you've worked with people kind of outside of who you'd normally work with and that sort of thing. Do you think that's really important in kind of um, realizing yeah. your full potential, I guess? Yeah, and, and I think there's an art to collaboration, too. I mean, understanding what somebody else can bring to the picture and, and trusting that. And I think there's been times, you know, years ago in the past when I was a little greener, um, I would over control trying to make it sound like myself because I was afraid I would get lost in it. But when you're confident in your craft and you're confident in how you sound, 
you're not going to get buried. It's just going to be this greater version of, of what you could be. And that's what this whole record is about is all these different songs were written with new people and everything, everybody brought a new dimension to it and their own vibe. And it's, it's the concept and the story and the comic that actually makes it cohesive, not even necessarily the genre, you know, sticking to a specific genre for a track. So, um, yeah, just to finish up then, Lights, like you're going on tour with Paris later this month. Uh, well, literally in a matter of a few days. Um, yeah. Are you, um, are you excited for that? Yeah, and, Friday. yeah, yeah. Like, are you excited for that? Are you a Paris fan? Are you sort of excited for that? How did that come about? Um, I think it's just been something we always want to do for a long time and, and it finally worked out and I think it's going to be such a killer tour. It's our first tour back in a long time. I mean, our last tour is fall 2015, really. So it can, you know, I couldn't ask for a better setup. Um, the record comes out the day the tour starts, so we'll be able to play some new tracks. Um, just play to fans that love music and love, you know, female-fronted fun bands. I mean, it's going to be a great time. Super cool. Like, yeah, Lights was awesome. A huge shout out to coming on the podcast. Um, Jack, what did you take from Jack? Um, well, my main thing is, in a, in a scene where it's like a revolving door of bands and artists and styles and ideas lights has been a constant for like 10 years now and both constant in presence um ingenuity but also like quality of the music that she's making and to come in in 2017 when so many people have replicated what she kind of started and she's still coming up with ideas like you know what i'm gonna write a whole comic book i'm gonna write it kind of a bit about me but also like this build it on this world which I've invented in my head and then I'm going to write a concept album about it like not a lot of people can do that and not a lot of people have the guts to do that which I think it's it's just that different level of depth to the music she's making and like it's it, it just astounds me that like even now like light should be massive she should be absolutely huge she should be everyone's favourite artist um but just like a positivity towards things as well and just like how how passionate she is about what she's making and like just how open she is like within the things that she's creating like and I mean it comes down to it Josh Dunn on your album come on mega come on like that that tune is a absolute that that tune slaps oh my like big stuff <laughs> um and also like toying with Paris like in 2017, when you've been going for this long and doing stuff, and you're touring with two of the biggest people, or you're touring with one of the biggest bands in our world and working with one of the biggest artists in the world, like, it doesn't get much better than that. Oh, man, she's a straight-up revolutionary. I mean, like, you know, we go back in time a little bit, like, her dalliances in heavier music, like, oh, whatever, I mean, the Horizon, uh, absolute mega banger cover of uh, I Can't See the Light by Architects as well. Check that out. Um, and now, yeah, to fast-forward to do, you know, all this stuff that she's doing with Skin and Earth, but also, like you say, working with Josh Dunn and touring with Paris, just her ears, obviously, so close to the ground. Uh, and just, her, like you say, her positivity while talking to her, like, it was so, she's clearly so in tune with music and so many forms of what you can do with her that was very inspiring to hear i mean tamsin what were you saying yeah i think it's i think it's really cool it's very brave of her to do something quite so different in this sort of modern world of music um the only person that i can think has done something anything remotely similar to this is avril lavigne um so take that as well um but i think you know as we said she she's been at this for a while now like she she knows what she's doing she's made all the right friends i mean I, you know josh dunn is 
quite a good friend to have in your life. Um, and I mean, yeah, just fair play to her, kind of like having some time away. She's been doing the mum thing for a while. I, I was going to say she's pure scene mama. Yeah, like, yeah. She <laughs> like was like, re- yeah. Real mama and scene mama. I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, that whole family is just like couple family goals. Oh, oh. Such like 100 percent such a um, good looking family but yeah like she's been doing the mum thing but also it kind of exp- like, as she said expanding her ears and not like literally expanding her ears but um, <laughs> 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 as in like playing with sounds and kind of like learning about new genres and different types of music and things that she can incorporate into this sort of project and story um and i think it's i think it's really paid off and like fair play to her for just doing what she wants to do rather than just being like oh i've gone away for a bit what if people no one really cares about me anymore i'm just gonna write a pop banger record yeah, which yeah. I, I think that's she quite easily could have done yeah i think that's something which more bands kind of need to do because like you know there's this oh it's not working for us like oh, i guess we'll just split up or whatever yeah not if you passionate about what you're doing just keep doing it like there's nothing if if 10 people listen if 10,000 people listen if you're still being true to yourself and making art which you love and appreciate and that you're still passionate about and you're still pushing yourself why the hell not do it like I, as I said I think life should be massive but like even if she's not she's uh, she's one of my little secrets that you can keep and just go you know what I know this is brilliant. Yeah. And I'm going to stick with that. And that's just as good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel as though that's... I feel as though that's almost as good as going and watching it. It's going and watching it in Wembley Stadium. I'd, I'd rather be in an intimate space, like, with a low... Like, a hundred people who are as passionate about it and just loving every second. Yeah, for sure. Like, super, super cool. Huge shout out to Lights Coming Podcast. Uh, I mean, yeah, just an inspiration to, to all artists across the board, I think. Uh, awesome stuff. So, uh, yeah, our shouts this week. Um, we're going to link it in with, uh, you know, I talked to Lights a little bit about the uh, the power of collaboration. Like I say, I worked with Josh Dunn and that sort of thing. Um, so, we're going to do the best collaboration. Uh, it's a big one this week. Uh, I'll dole it out to Tamsin first. I'm going with Yumi at six and Ollie Sykes. Nice. Bite my tongue, because it's just a rager, I mean, absolute rager. Banger. I I like as well that that was kind of like a favour after um like Josh was on the Josh bring the album on, yeah. as well, so it like kind of tied in nicely. Yeah, but I just I remember hearing that for the first time still on Sins Never Sleep and just being like, holy moly! <laughs> so I wasn't really much. Gee whiz! Jesus. <laughs> Um, I wasn't really much of a Bring Me fan, really, up until that point. So hearing, you know, those kind of two different sides of rock music collide, um, I think it it opened my eyes and ears to the art of Bring Me the Horizon. So to, yeah, to the saxophone. And even now, oh, wow, like yeah. I, if I if I put it on, you know, um, if I decide to listen to it or whatever, I'm just like, yeah, this still rips. Mm. Like it's still such a great song. Amazing six shout. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna link it in with who we've got next. Uh, I'm going. You know what they do to guys like us in prison by My Chemical Romance featuring Bert McCracken that they used. Um, absolute classic. Uh, I mean, Three Chips Sweet Revenge is just a straight up front about perfect album. Um, and yeah, this uh, just Gerald Way, Bert McCracken absolutely going at it and just like you know screaming. Got Bert McCracken laughing in the background and then just throwing out all these hooks absolutely amazing honestly that tune will never die it's so so good 
I went for a bit of a different flavour, uh, because rather than just individual tracks, I was a bit like, well, what have like people working together on a bigger scale been like? And then the first one, like this is left field, but Kanye West, Jay-Z, Watch the Throne is, oh, one, is one of the best rap albums slash best albums ever made. Like Those two bounce off each other perfectly. Like Even if you're not a fan of rap, please check that album out. But I went for Hebrews by Say Anything which is an album, like, it's not the most well-known Say Anything album, but what Ma- what Max Beans did on that release, he got together so many people, there was no guitars on it, but the names which he had on there, like, you've got Matt Pryor from the Ghetto Kids, you've got Andy Hall from Manchester Orchestra, you've got Brian Seller from Front Bonds, Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die, Tom DeLong, like, all these people putting their oar in, making this album into the, like, sweeping epic it is, and it's just... Stunning to see, like, and like to think that all those people at some point passed in and out of a room together and have this kind of like collective piece of art. Like, it is art. It's it's a weird album. Like, it's well it, weird. It's, it's a very <laughs> it's a very weird album. It'll take like it's you, it'll take you maybe twenty listens to really go. Oh, okay, that's I get it. Um, but just like the scope of what that was, and to to have the balls to go, I want to work with this many people and do this. Like, it's unprecedented. Straight up. Yeah, yeah, Max Boomer's an absolute genius. Uh, great shout. So, uh, yeah, interview three, third and final interview this week. Um, Bert McCracken of The Used. Um, absolute hero. Uh, the Used are uh, a hugely, hugely important band. Um, they've got a new album coming out called The Canyon uh, next month. Um, a hugely different new horizon for The Used. Um and very very emotional um so i brought that to uh, to bert and um he was very open um and yeah i think i'll just uh, rather than lead in too much i think i'll just uh, let bert do the talking so yeah this is uh, bert mccracken on the canyon so i just wanted to chat basically everything about the canyon really there's so much to talk about um it's a hugely emotional journey I mean, right through from For You all the way through to the mouth of the canyon. Um, was this a very cathartic experience? That's a perfect word. That's an absolutely accurate description of such a precious... And words lose meaning so quickly when things become so full of absolute potential and emotion. And when you lose yourself in art, I think it is that kind of religious, cathartic, spiritual, psychic connection and experience. And yeah, working with Ross Robinson really changed everything for the used and it wouldn't have worked until now, but now that it happened, it's forever changed everything. We're in a whole new world now. Amazing, because obviously working with Ross as well, like he's famed for um, really pulling that emotion out and, um, you know, making things highly intense to come up with this amazing art. Like how how was working with him? Was it it quite a heavy experience at points? Yeah, beyond. He's very brave. That's the first thing that comes to mind whenever there was a question about how things were going to be recorded or what the process was going to be. He's got this indescribable fearlessness, really, and it's, and it's so childlike that it's it, it's infectious. It it's, it's it's inspires on a whole other level. So, um, yeah, when we first talked to Ross 
about how the whole thing would go down. We had we had so many ideas that uh, pre-production starting to kind of whittle ideas down was really difficult, and it took maybe twice as long as we thought. But um, the whole time, he's pretty insistent on uh, having us go for the entire record with no click, which we've kind of, you know, just like bands usually do, we kind of got really, really used to the way that we've been doing it for the past 15 years. And I think initially we were almost adamantly no was the answer. And as things kind of went on, everybody just started to develop a real trusting and, and loving relationship. And that's one thing that we connected on a whole personal, another level is just a huge, huge part of every process that went into making this record exactly what it is. And the other level, as far as our comfort zone, was in such a live atmosphere is where we've developed our uh, sensibility and our, our, our kind of, uh, I think, a, just a, a leg to stand on as far as being in a rock band nowadays. Uh, it's a big thing. There's a lot that kind of comes along with it, a lot of good, a lot of bad. But what what it's about really is communicating on this quote-unquote psychic level, this spiritual level, this mental, personal level. Every day before we'd leave the studio, everybody would hug each other and look each other in the eyes and tell each other, I love you. It's this really crazy phenomena that happens between human beings when you get touched and somebody tells you how they feel about you. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was very, very magic, and uh, we'll never forget it. Wow. So, so this is, I mean, because you've, nev- you've never held back lyrically, really, across all of the used albums. Um, and I read a quote that you wanted to, um, you wanted to kind of dig deep. You wanted to, you want this to uh, be much more kind of specific in terms of the lyrics. Um, did that come from that experience then and that kind of connection, that communication you were having between each other? And did that, was that all inspired by that? Yeah, for the last two or three years working on these songs, we had four or five different writing sessions and absolutely no idea what the record could possibly be about, which is very exciting. So it's all up in the air, and like the used always had, we experiment with lots of different sounds, and we love tons of different types of music. So the amount of material that we had was a bit overwhelming. I think that still after recording 17 of them we still have 25 or so that are fully structured out that are so the future is bright anyways um this this idea that uh approaching a record with a complete open ended structure to we get to create the system and the, every intricacy of it from scratch was um getting toward the time where we needed to be recording was really daunting and started to kind of weigh on my shoulders and went out to Justin's house around January and just by myself. It was a very, a really quick trip. Uh, spent about 10 days there and just kind of trying to sketch out melodies and really assess what we had. And we had a really personal and powerful moment toward the end of the trip where, you know, I had just on the tour on the tour that we had just finished, um, I had just lost a really, really, really close friend. And it's so, it's connected in such a huge way because for a lot of old school used fans that know about 
my relationship with kind of my first love. Um, this was the, the person in my life who kind of took it upon himself, the responsibility of her death, because he was the one who provided the methadone that she overdosed on. And he kind of never was able to forgive himself. But bigger story, he was on uh, Prozac for about 10 plus years. And classic story, you know, stops taking it. And seven days later, drives up into Provo Canyon, which is where I grew up. It's my childhood. Every good and bad memory I've ever made kind of comes from there. And he put a gun to his head and took his life up there. Um, Justin also lost his father about 10 years ago. And just thinking about what music is capable of, we wanted to, just like I say in the beginning of the record, we wanted to write a song that captures that moment. If I had a a small second, five minutes, ten minutes left of time to, to say anything to not just Tregan, the person that I lost last year, but to anyone that I've lost. And I think humans can all connect on that level. Love is very painful. And that's the kind of duality I'm trying to capture in the metaphor of the canyon is this, what creates a canyon is deep, deep time, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years of water cutting into rock. I thought that was so powerful. But also represents both sides of love and pain and happiness and all of it. So Ross was the catalyst and the profiteer um, that helped us to bivouac this comfortable camp of uh, just the most intimate and personal things I've ever put down. And it's really scary, but I'm glad I did it. Wow, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear it, man. I, I mean, in terms of the the album, then as a whole, is is it very much a testament to the the healing power of music? Both sides, I think, and that is the tricky part about being a human and trying to wrap your head around mortality. So there's no love without that serious, devastating pain. And what is pain in? the context of death but love manifest and so that old idea of the yin yang the connection the duality of hap there's no happiness without sadness all these trite and banal and cliche monumentous but cliche ideas are so close to home and 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 kind of we wanted this record to, to tell the story the first half half of the story representing the his his kind of side of the struggle and you feel halfway through at upper falls that that's the moment you know and then me contemplating my own mortality and maybe you know am i am i following my friend home or am i here to learn from the pain and take the pain as i take happiness in my life and and let it make me a better dad and a better reader and writer and a protector of ideas i mean like with um with a song as well like about you no songs left to sing i mean is that was that very much where where it's almost like you'd there was almost you'd given so much emotion and you talked about so many things that that's kind of where it was like it had all been pulled out of you where did that song in particular come from a lot of things on this record i never talked about to anyone ever but during the first record, we were 
in LA for John's John Feldman's wedding. And I was with Tregan and Kate and we had rented a motel room at the Jolly Roger and we got completely beside ourselves, shall we say, intoxicated and missed the wedding. But it was a really kind of a crazy moment that ha- happened that night. Um, very intimate moment. The, the only truly kind of personally intimate connection I've had with a, another male on this planet in a physical way. And Kate was asleep in the room. And the reason why I met Tregan was I got transferred early on because of this dropout program in my high school. And I got kicked out of the one high school because I was missing too many classes. How ironic. So I went to a alternative learning program where I met Tregan. It was this transfer, but it was also this idea of like this kiss and this really intimate kind of transfer but he for a long time he thought that a lot of the songs on the first record are about him and it brought him a lot of a lot of kind of peace in his life it means a lot to me well i I mean so with this album then you you uh, you've been you've revisited a lot of very difficult things right from the start of the used career then i mean that that must have been so difficult to do i mean how did it how did it feel once the album was kind of finished and you you'd, you'd finished recording everything yeah it was very very huge the feelings there's so many different feelings we've never had a more connected time Creatively, I've never felt closer to peace and my understanding of peace being this <laughs> aggressive, selfless drive to create something, to, to explode into history as as one, as all, not as an individual. Um, so many this monuments and, and huge moments that when we were done, I was um, overwhelmed. And I had been away from my daughter for about four months that it's the longest time I've ever spent away from my daughter in her life. And I was really ready to go home, but it was really this like, wow, so, so much, um, moon dream and for you were almost afterthoughts. So the last things that happened and we had, we, we kind of really pushed for them and it might not have happened. And I, I can't imagine this record without them, but the, the record ended on such a beautiful and peaceful note. We played uh, For You acoustic, just Justin and I, before I drove to the airport and we recorded it. And it's, yeah, it, it makes me weep with both like the happiest and saddest and craziest in-between feelings you can possibly imagine. I've never listened to my own music so much in such a therapeutic and healing and I really hope that other people kind of take what I have been able to take from this record it's truly brought me closer to what I feel like is peace what I was trying to describe and peace is not uh, tiny movements in stasis it's aggressive violent movements toward honesty and love 
Yeah, so um, as I say, possibly my favourite interview I've ever done. Um, just, I mean, like, Bert's just a, a very inspiring character, I think. And to be that brave and that open and to talk about some of the things that he did, um, both to me and, you know, on a, in a wider way on this album, lyrically. Um, yeah, just absolutely incredible. Uh, Jack? I think the biggest term is comfort zone. And it's something which he brought up a few times. Um and I feel as though it's something which we can all take from that you you didn't he didn't need to talk about these things. He didn't need to tell you or anyone that this is where the roots of the canyon are. Like you could say it's about like a final loss. But he wanted to bear his soul in that way. And I feel as though like in the way that the canyon has been made, like it was made on tape, it's an hour and a half long, which are these facts which people go, but that's that's like it's a man pouring every single inch of him like out onto the table and leaving nothing to chance, like like not just having everything on tape, like every feeling, every thought, every emotion, like on this product, and it's out of his system then. And the other biggest thing is just like I said, I've never listened to my own music as much as I have this because I feel as though it's him being able to revisit those things which he's able he's been able to get out of his system. And like away from music as well, like just to be that honest with yourself and honest with your past and honest with things which have happened which have probably been out of your control is just it's astonishing like like just that that chat it's proper lump in your throat stuff but for him to be able to share that with us and like be able to go no i want to tell this is just amazing yeah absolutely amazing um yeah it just highlights the uh you know the importance of communication and the absolute power of music as well um in terms of what did you take away from it i mean i'm not i i don't want to talk too much about it because i think everything that needed to be said was said in the interview he really poured his heart out to you yeah for sure i mean it's it's a bruising listen um but you know it's an album that you have to listen to from start to end but if you do and you invest in it and you read bert's lyrics it's so rewarding um i think kind of hearing those stories that he was telling you as well i think when when people actually hear these songs and you know read the lyrics and things they're gonna stop putting things together and taking things from what he said to you um and kind of putting their own stories together so i think that's it's a really incredible thing that the music's kind of allowed him to get through everything i suppose yeah for sure um yeah i mean it's 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 um i think it is one of the best things the user's ever done um and a real new horizon and i, I just think i don't think anyone this year or in recent years has done something like this with a record where they it's almost like you know it's it's literally a journey and that you have to read those lyrics and you have to listen 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 and just the rewards you get back are so huge so um yeah huge shouts but absolutely amazing and um yeah we hope to speak to him again so uh, shop.rocksound.tv, the Sleep With Sirens bundles are very much still on sale. If you want to get a limited edition cover done by Mr. Tom Morgan, our designer, uh, you can do that with a vinyl sticker, a hand-signed poster print by the whole band. That's in the Legends bundle. Or you can go with the Gossip bundle, uh, which is an exclusive tote bag designed by Kellen and uh, an exclusive pocket mirror as well. Uh, if you like the sound of all of that, you can go for the Superfan bundle. So it's all there. Buy it all up. Let us know. And uh, yeah, show us pictures with your magazines and let us know what your favourite thing is. Absolutely amazing. Um, also, 
also includes chats with Andy Biersack, Seaway, Frank Iero, John O'Callaghan, 2007 poster special, so much more, so much in there, so proud of it. So uh, yeah, buy it, let us know what you think, and uh, yeah, can't wait to hear from you on that. Uh, the Rock Sound Chart is on Spotify, subscribe to that, updated weekly, new tunes asking Alexandra and against the current, absolute bangers. Uh, we've also got um, other players like RS Classics, uh, an emo, new metal if you want to delve back, or pop sound, all sorts of stuff, every type of music you want, it's all there, so subscribe to us on Spotify and let us know what your favourite tunes are. And uh, finally, our Scuzz TV show is also on daily. Uh, it links in with the magazine. So uh, if you want to find out some information and uh, very cool facts about the uh, the newest bangers from all the bands included in the magazine this month, check it out daily. Read along, watch along. Let us know your favourites. Cool. So uh, come to an end again. I'd say it always goes too quick. Uh, guys, you had a good time? Had a, always. Uh, always. <laughs> always. Always a lovely time. Always. I mean, you, you can join us next week when me and Jack will have no voices left from literally screaming our guts oh, out. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I am definitely planning on like next week's just like a week of not talking, and then by the time we get here, it's like, I, uh, <laughs> well, welcome back to the Rock Sound podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be really interesting for you. Yeah. Yeah, stay tuned yeah. for that. Uh, we are going to be speaking to you uh, a bit like with Patty a few weeks ago. You've been asking every week for Mr. Frank Iero. Uh, so we got him. So that's going to be next week when we're talking to Frank. Absolutely amazing chat. So get excited for that. And also the return of, uh, I hinted it earlier, uh, Mr. Austin Knight uh, telling us everything about album two. So uh, stay tuned for all that. Going to be amazing. Uh, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Love you.